0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the True Life Podcast. I hope everybody's having a beautiful Tuesday morning or afternoon or evening or whenever you're watching this. Thank you for being here today. I got a great guest and a great show for you today, the one and only Nabi Grewal. He is big into psilocybin therapy. He's a passionate and dedicated professional, not only with psilocybin therapy, but integration, addiction, recovery, mental health. And he's got a really unique way of helping people transform their lives through a holistic approach to mental and emotional wellness using both traditional and alternative models Navi thanks for being here today thanks for having me George yeah the pleasures all mine you know it's it's such an interesting time we live in to see the world changing and unfolding in such a dramatic way and I'm often curious how someone who's doing what you're doing got started man I thought maybe you could Maybe give us like a little synopsis of of how you became to be working and integrating psychedelics and helping people and like what what makes you want to do that
1: yeah i guess uh how i got started um unfortunately you know um my background wasn't necessarily the best i i've um, i had a lot of addictions in my past i've had a lot of injuries i've had ptsd i've had seven eight surgeries open heart surgery car accident a traumatic brain injury when I was hit by a drunk driver when I was seven years old, another car accident. Um, And I kind of got into all of this accidentally through uh, my first real introduction into any plant medicines was through cannabis. So I used to get extreme migraines all the time. And, you know, there's times where I would throw up and, you know, have really bad nausea. So back in 2009 or 2010, when it was extremely difficult to get a medical cannabis license in Canada, I managed to get one with a top pain specialist at the University of Alberta. That worked pretty well. And then... Oh,
0: shoot. Yeah.
1: Pardon?
0: I lost you right there for a second.
1: But oh, you back. Yeah, there I am. Yeah. So over time, I kind of realized that, you know, maybe I got to do some lifestyle changes. So instead of just taking... Uh, these high-dose cannabis or, or certain things, I kind of uh, more tended to eat better, sleep better, and that kind of uh, led to me not using a, the cannabis as much, but it didn't really address the issues that I had with my depression and my anxiety, right? right. And, you know, it, it just happened to be one day, I believe it was 2013 or 2014, I went to my doctor and I told him I was, pretty depressed and i needed help and he's gonna put me on i believe it was prozac or something else and before i tried it i'm like let's try something different before i I go on this route because i know this is just gonna mask the symptoms it's it's, it's not gonna be a long-term solution per se and i heard about microdosing so i'm like i don't think this is gonna work um you know but let's just see what will happen so i did um i took it for 40 days straight so I, i didn't even take you know, five days on, two days off. I just took it for 40 days straight. And yeah. <clears throat> two and a half weeks into it, it wasn't like I was happier, but it was like the the clouds of depression were clearing away. Mm-hmm. So by default I was happier, but it, it wasn't like, you know, if you're if you're drinking or something else where it just makes you happy temporarily. So that was the first time I realized I was like, wow, this thing is actually working. I don't have to be taking th- these substances, right? Yeah. Um, these prescription medications. But obviously at that time, I was still not a healed person. So I was still partying. I was still doing other drugs. And it kind of, uh, you know, one thing led to another led me to ayahuasca. Mm. And um, that ayahuasca story was one of the most uh, terrifying and loving stories i've ever had i mm-hmm. uh, i had a friend of mine that uh she wanted to do ayahuasca uh this was in toronto and i just learned through another friend that i knew she was doing ayahuasca ceremonies i had no idea what ayahuasca was at the time this is 2014 mm-hmm. as well so i kind of looked it up i'm like oh this is kind of cool uh, look, maybe I could ask the spirits some kind of questions. I kind of liked her. Maybe I'll see if there's any possibilities. If, if if anything happening down the road. Yeah. So you know, I, I kind of had it arranged where um, it was me, uh, the facilitator, the shaman, and seven, eight of us went to a house and we did this ayahuasca ceremony. And again. You know, I don't have much information on ayahuasca at this time. I was supposed to follow a dieta. Um, I kind of followed it, but not to my best of my abilities. Um, and to give some background, this is not a traditional background. Um, this is not a traditional ayahuasca ceremony by any means. I didn't know that at the time because there was no Icaros. There was there was none of that. Right. Okay. It probably could have been real ayahuasca, or it could have been ayahuasca with some DMT at it. It could have been a pharma ayahuasca, right? Mm. So, you know, we were all given the cop, We were all given our intentions. We were told not to talk to anybody during the ceremony. Um, if, if you have any help, if you need anything, talk to uh, the facilitator. Um, I'll call her uh, Mandy, uh, and, or talk to, to the shaman. And um, so after I took my brew, <clears throat> you know, the lights were dimmed. They had the music playing in the background. And then I started hearing, I couldn't even explain it. I started hearing this weird noise and I started getting severe anxiety. I'm, I'm like looking around in a room to see if anybody else is hearing what I'm hearing. And I'm like kind of panicking. I'm like, everyone else yeah. is calm. They're not hearing what I'm hearing. And what I'm hearing, it turned out to be is like demonic laughter. It was like cackling really, really loud. I'm like, oh my God, I need help. I need to I need to talk to the shaman um or the Ricky Master for some help. And as I tried to get up, it held me down. So I couldn't move. I was paralyzed. And then it was so it told me where I'm going, I am F. That made me even more scared, right? I'm like, <laughs> oh my so God. Crazy. Yeah, so while this is happening, there's a secondary noise that that starts taking place. At least I could categorize the first noise as demonic laughter. The secondary noise, I had no idea what it was because I didn't know what it was. That made it even scarier for me. And eventually it started to overtake the demonic laughter, and that completely went away. And, you know, my anxiety didn't go down. It was through the roof. My heart was beating a million miles a second. You know, I was fighting for my life to not close my eyes. I was terrified. I was like, I don't know what's gonna happen to me if I close my eyes. And then my eyelids kept getting heavier and heavier and heavier, and I felt like they were lead curtains. And then eventually, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it. I, 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 I couldn't fight, I couldn't fight it. So my eyes just shut. And then when my eyes shut, I realized what the secondary noise was. I saw my soul in a, in a rocket ship, and the noise was the engine of the rocket ship then I started to blast off into the universe at the speed of light. And it was blasting off so fast that I was shaking in in the ship. And, and while I was shaking in the ship, the lady that was sitting next to me on the couch said that I was shaking on the couch. <laughs> right? right? But I didn't know that at the time. I, I, at the time, I was no longer in a house. I was no longer on Earth. I was in in, in outer space. I was traveling so fast. I was freaking out. I was like, I hope I don't get an anxiety attack. I, and then the word anxiety came out of my mouth, and I started bouncing off a glass in the spaceship. And uh, and um, the more it bounced, the more anxiety I got, and the faster my heart was beating. like doo, 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 doo. <laughs> And eventually it got to a point where it's bouncing off so fast, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to die of a heart attack. So I let go of the controls of the spaceship, grabbed my heart, and the spaceship... They crash landed in an alien planet and then I was bleeding, my spaceship was all in tatters and there was aliens all around me and they saw me and they're like, oh my God, there's an alien. So they scattered all around me. So now I have no idea where I am. This does not look like heaven or, you know, it could be hell, who knows, right? right? Very dark, very dark place that I'm at. and. They're all fighting over my corpse, or what's left of me. Some are nine feet tall, some are three feet tall, some are able to download my memories. So I'm like, hey, good beings only. And they were laughing at me. They're like, you're our property. We could do anything we want with you. So at this point, I'm freaking out. I I don't know how how much long I have left. There's a power bar above my head, almost like a video game. The more and more it goes down, the more and more closer to death I am. I'm contemplating how my parents are going to have my funeral if they can't find my body. And at the last second, when the bar just hit, uh, hits zero, this beam of white light comes down through my crown chakra and lifts me off the ground. Oh. And it brings, and they scatter all around me and because they're terrified. And then I realize it's God or the creator, or and, but I'm very upset you know, at, at this point still. I'm like, you couldn't have come five minutes earlier? You know, I'm (laughs) like, you know, you have to wait until the bottom of the night. Three balls, two strikes, right? (laughs) You know, it it didn't say anything. And then it just started to lift me off the ground. And then everything was erased. And then it was just pure white light and I was floating to the creator. It wasn't saying anything, but I kind of knew what it wanted. And so I was pleading with it. I was like, please, you've already taken everything from me. I don't want to lose my memories. And then I realized I just have to give in. And then eventually I just let go. And then I awoke. It was almost like we're living in a dream. And when I woke up, I was like, wow, I'm a human being. So I was able to see my own body floating to the heavens. I'm like, wow, I, I, I'm male. Um, I'm East Indian. I'm looking at my body like in amazement, like I had just woken up from a dream. And then it erased every single cell. Um, uh, cell in my body until there's one cell left and it started to um tear that apart faster and faster and faster and faster and faster and faster, and faster with such clarity i don't know how that i was able to see it and eventually when there was nothing left it was it told me that love bonded everything else in the universe and then i started crying and then, and then i was wondering like how am i crying if i don't have a body <clears throat> right and then eventually I was transported into another dimension and and the spirit of ayahuasca was like you know now that your ego has been broken now we can we can give you lessons so it, it had broadened the spirit of every single drug that I, that I had been using that year you know the the spirit of marijuana the spirit of alcohol and when I came to the spirit of MDMA it told me that this drug is is a, is a fake friend it takes more from you than it gives you you, you got to stop doing this uh, this um uh, this substance. Otherwise, if you continue to do it and you do ayahuasca again, we're going to punish you for it. Right? Um, It allowed me to see 20 years in the future. I said no. I I, I wasn't ready for that at the time. It allowed me to ask any question in the world, in the universe, and it gave me the answer on the condition that I won't remember what I asked and I won't won't remember what the the answer was. So I couldn't tell you what, what that was. And then eventually, what happened was I finally realized I was in a house. I, I finally realized there's people around me and I had the ability of telepathy. Um, anybody that I wanted to talk to would, would come up to me when I asked for it. And they would ask me how I'm doing certain things like that. And then the spirit of ayahuasca was leaving my body. And it was like, we're leaving your body. Do we have any, do you have any last questions? I'm like, Oh, you know uh, what are the odds of me? And, so-and-so getting together. And we're like, we can't tell you that because it's not from the heart, but if you want to know long-term, we can tell you that. I'm like, sure. And then it actually showed me that the lady that was next to me, we had a 90% chance of getting together in June. So I was able to look at everybody. It was really strange. I was not, at this point, I was not seeing anything, but everybody had a percentage on their chest. So that was the long-term, you know, where I could look at them and see what the long-term Potential was, but I could peel back the graph. So this is in March, 2014. So if, if if I if I expanded it to June, I could see if it goes up or down. So the person that was next to me we were 90% in June. I'm like, oh wow, that's that's strange. And we ended up uh, falling in love at a festival in June that that year.
0: Wow! What an incredible transformation. It seems, yeah. it's, yeah, talk about life changing.
1: Yeah, and not only that, I, uh, the amount of anxiety that, that I was put through in the ceremony, where I nearly died twice, for three and a half months after the ceremony, I experienced zero anxiety for the first time in my life. It was insane. It was just like, it was peace. It was so, so peaceful. Hmm.
0: So uh, what happens like after that event? Like, so you go and you have this incredible experience. Like, do you tell people after that? Like, do you go home and be like, oh, my God, this is crazy. This most in- incredible thing happened to me, you know, and is your life different from that day? Or was it more of like a transition from day to day? Or what happens to you after that event?
1: well you know this is this is kind of um a part of integration where you know fortunately and unfortunately, this happens to a lot of people where they may go through something transformational, but they don't implement the lessons mm-hmm. and over time they go they get worse so for me, I wasn't you know I had this amazing experience, but did I quit doing all the substances no right. So, you know, I kind of got into a worser spot and, you know, that, that it it just kind of, um, I had to learn my lessons the hard way, you know, and unfortunately in life, you know, when you're ready to quit something, when you're ready to, to do something, it can't be other people telling you, you have to want it that bad, right? And it, there did come a point where, uh, and I'm fortunate enough, that I definitely wanted it. And that was 2018, where a friend of mine, you know, was telling me my behavior is erratic, you know, uh, you know, from all the partying, from all the drugs and everything else. And I needed some healing. And she like, I know this indigenous shaman, you should definitely see her, she can definitely help you out. And I'm like, okay, you know what? It's kind of the same thing. I don't really believe in this stuff per se. I'll try it because I tried a lot of other stuff, right? So, you know, what's the worst that can happen? And at the same time, I was ready for it. And then that was when I had completely quit everything. So, like, it it really helped me out. Um, And now she's my teacher. And that was when she told me my medicine is psilocybin. And I'm like, ah, psilocybin mushrooms i hate these guys because every time i do them they never shut up they always talk to me <laughs> and that was when uh, she was like you have to do it in a ceremonial setting and that's when things changed for me i had um i, I did have a story or uh, it's kind of um this was 2017, just before I, I met my teacher. Um, I had some medical complications, and I had to actually get circumcised. Mm-hmm. And it was very, very painful and very, very, very traumatic. Um, and it put me in a very bad depression. And I went to this festival. I did five and a half grams of mushrooms on a day and a half fast um not necessarily the best thing to do but at the same time you know those are kind of things that really kind of uh can overcome trauma and i literally you know i realized i had made a mistake at the time you know, at at the time i thought it was a mistake but it wasn't really a mistake Mm. so i'm like i need to get to the psychedelic harm part of the festival where they can help me and then i realized where i was and where that was it was completely off the direction and I would never make it <laughs> mm. so I just found a metal and I just collapsed and I just like died my ego died mm. <laughs> and then I was born and I saw myself um, as, um, in a womb um, of a fractal chamber and this goddess came with a bow and arrow and the tip of the of the arrow was its mini heart and she turned to the to, to the side and it turned to a million of her and she fired this bow into my into my body and then it just healed me and then i woke up and then i was born into the mushroom realm where i was a baby now and these mushroom goddesses were feeding me they're breastfeeding me and i'm like oh my god what, what's happening to me where am i and they're like do you know do you know where you are do you know who do, do you know who we are we're your family and then i was like you know i wanted to say f no but i was a baby so i was like all uh-uh, right and then, they, and, then they, and then they kept feeding me, and then I realized at the end that was me nurturing myself too. And, and then I grew up, and then they were giving me healing all over my body and everything. So at the end of that ceremony, everything was healed, right? So when I started doing mushrooms in a ceremonial setting in 2018, they would always tell me, Like you're our family, you know, like, you know, so I was a part of the mushroom family. I wouldn't even like someone doing mushrooms. I was like, I would say like their son or, 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 you know, it it just kind of, um, there would be a female mushroom spirit, a masculine mushroom spirit, and, and they would all give me advice and love.
0: What kind of advice did they give you?
1: Oh, yeah. So this comes into... Um, so, uh, how would I say this? So, and you probably heard of this before in plant medicine ceremonies, especially ayahuasca, there's a lot of dark arts that that's involved, a lot of psychic attacks. And this happened in plant medicine and it, and it also happened outside of plant medicine. And what they told me was when I, when I first started doing the ceremony in a ceremonial setting was is that the, the Reiki master actually had put a curse on you and she's harnessing your energy. And they showed me this during my ceremony. And I'm like, oh my God, this, this is insane. And I'm and I'm like, this is hard to believe. And they were like, yeah, when you saw her a month ago, she gave you a hug at the store. But they go, the next time you see her, she's gonna give you daggers for eyes because she's gonna know that you undid the curse that, that she put on you. So they warned me not to go out in public anywhere because she will see me. So obviously, I uh, I took their advice, but I still went out. I didn't go out to any event or anything. I went out for a walk, and I ran into a street festival where she saw me and she gave me daggers for eyes. And that's when I knew that they were right. Like, why would this person a month ago be friendly and now they're like giving me the meanest look? So that's kind of where I learned the concept of uh, this thing called dark arts, where you know, people could blow darts at you, or they can take your hair, or they can do certain things. So my teacher had to undo what was happening. And between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., which is called the witching hour, she would send, like, e- like I would see things in my room that pop up. Right. So she was doing something and I was like, this is really freaky. You know, I'm totally sober. Right. So so eventually uh, my teacher was was helping me remove all this stuff permanently. And the mushrooms, I did more mushroom ceremonies and they were telling me, you know, she's going to try to send someone, you know, in, in real life or in your in your dreams to to seduce you. Right. To to get you back and and so th- they told me, under no circumstances do anything with anybody for the next three months. So I actually had a dream where this goddess wanted me to be with her, and I was like, no, because I remembered what the what the mushrooms have told me. And she was fighting for it, and I'm like, this is really strange. And then eventually, I said no really loud, yeah. and she turned back and turned into Satan, and then she turned into that lady, and I'm like, oh my god, that was her, right? And yeah. eventually, over time, um, that was all able to re- to to be removed. And I eventually popped into her dream, and I scared her.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating to me. Sometimes it it seems that there's a lot more going on in the world that we we live in. There's a lot more going on than just the world we live in. And it seems to me that heightened states of awareness, altered states of consciousness can bring you into this area where you can maybe see desires or see cravings or see things that you could never possibly see in the waking hours. It's It's mesmerizing.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I never would have thought these things existed but uh you know going through everything that i've been through i there's so much i don't know and now it's just um i'm more guarded you know even with things like getting healing from someone um you know getting getting a Ricky from someone or, or getting just i am very i'm very guarded because i've had a lot of crazy things happen so there's people that uh, try to harvest your energy there's a lot of unhealed healers mm. that, that i've also come across and it's it's hard being a healer in, or, or in general but there's a lot of people that are partying on the weekends doing a lot of hard drugs and then they're giving energy work or they're doing you know mushroom or ayahuasca ceremonies and now that that darkness and that addiction seeps in into the ceremony and goes it latches onto you
0: It's interesting to, to think about addiction as something that can be, um, what's that word called contagious. I never really thought about it from that angle, but it kind of makes sense when, when someone is usually addicted to something, they're usually spending times with people who are also addicted to them. So I think you could easily, whether you call it an energy transfer or whether you call it dark energy or whether you call it the, the transference of addiction, Like It's interesting to think about it from that angle. Not only is it interesting to think about from that angle why it's happening, but it also opens up the door to different kinds of cures, right? It seems like in today's world, we're so focused, the world of Mm -hmm. medicine is so focused on this is how we treat this problem. But it seems to me you treated it in a whole completely different way, which allowed you to be free of the addiction, allowed you to be free of the negative surroundings. And so- it's, it's fascinating to think about how we can, if we just take a step back from the current model mm-hmm. of medicine, there's a whole lot of different ways we could treat it.
1: Yeah. it's. Um, I was taught that a lot of the addictions are entities that are in- inhabiting the body and they're the ones that are creating a negative feedback mm. loop and they're the ones that are craving, uh, you know, chaos. Right. So, You know, I'll give you an example. I, um, you know, I I didn't know anything about iboga as well. And this was a couple of years ago, 2021. Now I'm in a better state. It's been a couple of years. I've been substance free. I'm working in addictions, but I'm working in in addictions from a different lens. Now I wanted to work with people using plant medicines. And I've just been, I referred a client and You know, and it turns out, you know, long story, but I knew this guy, and we used to party together. So I'm like, oh my god, this guy is what got me into all this crazy stuff. Right now, I have to get him out. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how the world works, right? Yep. And he's very successful. He's making seven figures. He's he's, but he's spending like thirty, forty thousand dollars a month on addictions and partying and drugs and women and everything, right? So I, I, I talk with him on the phone and, you know, I make it clear to him at this point. I'm like, my goal, if I were to do this with you, is you need to do Iboga. After I researched it, I'm like, he is the perfect candidate for it. So he hired me almost like a sober living coach slash auditor. You know, so I had to stay with him for six weeks. The first week or a week and a half, I had to do an audit of how much money he was spending, where it was going, the kind of people that are in his life, who the enablers are, what his triggers are, everything, right? You know, I'm like, me saving him money over the six weeks of living with him is going to pay for me there, right? So that was my pitch to him, right? No. And she's this individual, you know, was... Um, the people in his life were crazy. He had just gotten out of a long-term relationship. So he was spiraling out of control. Um, I managed to give him his first plant medicine ceremonies. I did two mushroom ceremonies for him. Uh, he was terrified of it. And then afterwards it really opened him up to the, to the potentiality of doing iboga, but he still wasn't saying yes, but he wasn't saying no either. And during that time span, you know, I eventually got him to say yes to a voga And he's like, I'll do, I'll do it under one condition. And I'm like, what's that? And he's like, you got to do it with me. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, I'm terrified of a voga too, you know. And I'm, at this point, I'm like, I don't really need it because I don't have any addictions. But also the psychonaut in me is like, this could be exciting because I've never done something like this before. So I said yes to him. We agreed to, to, to do the ceremony. Um, and then b- before I moved out, I, I hired a house manager for him to, to, to take care of everything so that everything is good. And then the week leading up to the ceremony, unbeknownst to me, because he, he was in pretty good shape when I left, he freaked out that, he, that I guess inside of him, he knew something was, was on, on the horizon. And three four days before the ceremony, he goes on a bender. And the day before the ceremony, he video calls me and tells me he got shingles outbreak, so he can't go do a boga, right? And then now I'm even more terrified. I'm like, I have to go alone into the ceremony. I'm like this this is this is nuts. So you know, my heart is like beating out of my chest. Um, I've heard a couple of things going into the ceremony. Um, you know, and when I got there, it was me and ten other people, and it was so quiet. I've never seen so many people terrified for their life, <laughs> right? You know, it's, it's just like it was at this, um, It was at a retreat in this giant barn that was that was nicely set up, and people were just quiet. I'm just talking to people. Uh, the ceremony. We got there at five PM, and the the ceremony took place at nine PM. And so, um, the person that was doing the ceremony, uh, he, you know, as it, just before it began, he'd have everyone go outside. He would smudge them in this giant torch thing, and then he would look at them in the eyes to look at the entities that are that are in their eyes. And then he had all of us get inside. We were all. Um. All of us were seated in a in a circular kind of position so one by one he went and got a spoonful of Iboga. I didn't know this at the time but Iboga is so it tastes so bad it makes ayahuasca right. taste good ah. it's, yeah I never it' was like to this just the taste of it it's giving me PTSD I could I could, I could throw up just by thinking about it. And what makes it worse, it it, it he had it, it, it it's like sawdust. So he mm-hmm. gives you this giant spoon. He puts it in your mouth. D- this is the way that he did it, anyways. And you're fighting back, not puking, because your your saliva had to slowly break it down, and you could barely mm-hmm. and and you know you can't drink a lot of water because you would probably throw it up. so you, could, you, could, you might have a sip. So one by one, every person had to swallow it, open their mouth, go on to the next person. We're all smiling. Every, all of us are smiling at the at the person that is struggling yeah. until it's our turn. And then, you know, I'm struggling and we do it again. And then, and then there's a second round. And after the second round, you know, there's a third round, but before that he makes you stand up to see, you know, where you're at. And at this right. point it hit me the hardest. I was, it was hitting me so hard that I couldn't even stand. So he took me to the bed and, and laid me down. And as I was laying down, it was hitting me so hard that it was like two screens happening, two TV screens playing in my mind at the same time. The left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. I'm like, oh my God, I need to put on my, on my eye mask. And then I realized my eye mask was already on. <laughs> right? <clears throat> and what I didn't realize at the time, what I should have realized was, is that A lot of the people that do Iboga are doing it for really, really, really deep healing, a lot of addictions, a lot, a lot of addictions. And so it was almost like a mass exorcism there. So I saw all the entities leaving people's bodies, right? They were being evicted from people's bodies. And because I was the only person there that was not, that, that didn't have any issues, all of these entities tried to enter my body. It was, it was crazy. So I was basically fighting off these, these energies from entering my body. And, you know, I had this little practice that I did, um, that, I've been doing, that I've been doing for the last five years. I mean, now I don't, I don't swear anymore. But if I ever say anything, I just say the word clear. and So it just kind of clears it from, from my mind. And when I was freaking out during the Aboga ceremony, I was like, oh, my God, you know, what the F is going on? And I said clear. The word clear, Aboga told me it turned, it, I, I've used it so often it's become a muscle that I've turned it into a mental smudge. So it showed my mind, it, it showed it like a smudge from my mind where it clears out all the negative energy. Hmm. So any single time these energies were trying to come into my mind or to my space, I would say clear and I would just completely erase them. So the power of thought and the power of repetition, you know, definitely is is important.
0: Yeah. Iboga is like 48 hours too, right? It seems like all this was, was this all happening in the first few hours of this particular?
1: Yeah. 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 It was, uh, my ceremony was, I think, I I believe I was out for 36 hours. Wow. And then it showed me the client that was supposed to be with me and it told me, that he has less than three months to live. And one of his entities got latched on to me, and I puked it out. And then it showed me, it's like when when a host is dying, the parasites or the entities in the host, they jump ship and latch on to anyone else they can because they know, right? So I was freaked out. So after the ceremony, I told... uh, the client's friend is, and he got so freaked out of, of, of what he heard that he paid for a one-on-one session. And, and this was someone that the client's friend thought would never put these drugs. He, he said he's so far gone. And when he ended up doing iboga, like, three, four weeks after I did it, for the first time in his life, he he was free from sex addiction, free from alcohol addiction, free from cocaine addiction, free from everything, from everything. He had out of body experience where he saw himself. He was disgusted with his behavior. He, yeah, and he you in, in a, within that six months he changed his life. He got engaged. He d- didn't even like he didn't even like the taste of alcohol. Wouldn't even tried alcohol. Mm-hmm. So it's like it was so profound to see someone that that people think is a write-off can actually change their life. So to me, and seeing the stories from other individuals that were also um, uh, there with me, you know, they were there for sex addiction, they were there for meth addiction, they were there for other addictions, and just seeing how much better they felt after the first ceremony um just seeing people's lives kind of change there was another individual there that he iboga told him that it couldn't help him because he he had he had a traumatic brain injury so i told him it couldn't help him with that so i told him he, he should try mushrooms mm. um, the facilitator uh didn't necessarily like that <laughs> He was comp- he was one of those, these people that is completely pro one medicine and was against all other medicines. I, I am I am open to all medicines because because all plant medicines are healing, right?
0: Yeah, it's man, it's fascinating to think about. I I've read quite a bit of literature on a bogo where people that. You know, whether it's heroin or smoking or sex or, you know, all these different types of addictions that people have or maybe demons that they have or entities that they have or energies that they have. It's fat. Isn't it mind blowing to think and maybe it doesn't work for everybody. But if we just look at the the model of medicine where people in today's world, if you have an addiction, you're usually given another drug that's equally as addictive you know, mm-hmm. or sometimes people try to take like that cold turkey route where like, okay, you, you just have to stop today and never do it again. And if you do do it again, then you're a loser and you're weak. Mm-hmm. And it just, it just makes you feel even worse. Mm-hmm. And so what, what do you think? Do you see on the horizon a time when these particular medicines will be more accepted and more accessible to people that need it?
1: I think it's happening more and more. There is this, uh, a psychedelic revolution uh plant medicines are popping up everywhere in canada in america and abroad mm-hmm. uh, thankfully people have more uh more uh, uh access to these medicines i guess one of the barriers is um it's not cheap you know it's definitely cheaper than rehab i'll, I'll say that mm-hmm. like doing iboga or ibogaine you know, will save you a lot of time and money. If you were to go to a traditional uh, rehab center where you're there for a month or two months right. and you're around the same people that have the same issue that you, but, you know, I feel like these, I feel like plant medicines, they, they go somewhere and they can do things that traditional therapy can't do. They can access the darkest corners and recesses of your body and psyche and unravel all uh, unravel and unpack all the trauma and and help heal it.
0: Yeah. So here, here's another part that I see kind of happening in this world too, Navi. And I think that you can speak well to this. You're clearly comfortable with the underground. Like you realize that there's things happening. You're comfortable maybe going to a a, a in a bogus ceremony where it's not in a clinical setting. But that probably stems from your background. Like you've probably taken some chances in your life. And and some of them worked out good. Some of them didn't work out good. But you figured out how to navigate this unfamiliarity. But there's a lot of people out there that when they hear these stories, they're like, holy cow, man, I could never do that. And it's it's interesting to me because I think a lot of healing, and I mean a lot of it, gets done on the underground like there's a lot of incredible people that don't have a degree but really understand how to help people. But that can be not only a red flag, it can be dangerous. Man, how 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 do how do you navigate? Like it's a kind of a two-part question. First off, how do you navigate the underground versus the above board? And how how would you help somebody understand the different levels there?
1: I mean, it's uh and you're definitely right. right. Uh, the clinical setting is is um it's not accessible to everybody. Right. Uh, but the underground is can also be just as good, if not better. But it, it's also more dangerous. It's more dangerous in the sure. sense that you you know, like in a clinical setting, they will go through all your intake properly. They'll make sure you're the right fit, mentally, physically, everything. Uh, Whereas if you go to a lot of places, uh, underground places, a recruit center, certain things, they may not have all your medical profile, certain things. And even if that is all fine, even if medically you're totally fine, there is a lot of, um, I kind of hesitate to say this, a lot of uh, shenanigans that kind of take place in especially ayahuasca circles where I've heard of a lot of stories that, while under the influence of the medicine, the practitioners they they um, take advantage of the people that are there, using um, using. There's, uh, I guess, they can manipulate people's energy, uh, put put their psychic will against them. There's, there's been cases of people like afterwards kind of under the influence where they give people their money, or the, where the the shamans sleep with um, people um, that are part of the ceremony or make them fall in love, or they have dreams of them being with the teacher. And too often this is um this happens when someone gets a lot of power. A lot of, mm-hmm. you know, it kind of gets to their head. You know, they, you know, so it's it's kind of like a slippery slope because, you know, especially, um, you have to be very careful of, like, you have to do a lot. I wouldn't rush into anything. I would do a lot of research as as much as possible who the were the places that you're going who the facilitators are things like that any referrals because you know as, as as many good people as there are in the field there's a lot of stories there's too many stories actually from from what i've heard and it's it's like one of the, one of those themes where maybe people start off as good but they get a lot of power a lot of things get to their head and you know Unfortunately, you know, where this—I guess—this type of world that we're in, in psychedelics, it allowed access to a higher realm, right? You can expand, you you, you can you can do things a bit differently. You can heal a lot quicker, but it's also like the veils are thinner, so more can be done in a good way or a bad way.
0: Yeah, at some level, you know, and just like. On some level, all of us are susceptible to forces greater than us, whether those are good forces, whether those are evil forces. And, you know, when people talk about set and setting and mental space, you know, you had brought up this idea of corruption. Like it's so seductive, like even in the waking time, even when you're in a regular state, when you start having sometimes for me, if I I have like, if I'm going through a phase where I got tons of money and I'm feeling good, like I can feel that ego slipping in and I start judging people and I have to pull myself back and be like, wait a minute, man. I'm the same guy I was a week ago. You know, now I think I'm all cool now or something like that. So if you're in a heightened state of awareness or you're the person who's helping people with the medicine, it's very easily to begin thinking that you're the medicine. You know, you're the person that has the power. you're the person doing it and or, or even you know, in the beginning of when you were talking about your ayahuasca story and how you were able to see a number on someone's chest to see the potential of how, of how that relationship may work out, that could very easily be misconstrued into this person wants to be with me this much, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So like just a shift in focus, mm-hmm. and and you have so much energy going through you. You may you may mistake a social cue for a come on versus a a friendly smile or a smile with anxiety. You know what I mean? It's, it's those very powerful states. And I think that that is something that people who are seeking help on the underground should definitely be aware of. And, you know, it's, it's tough because a lot of the times if you're working in the underground or you're, if you have an addiction and you're seeking help, you may not be able to be in the right frame of mind Where you can do a lot of due diligence to be like, okay, I've heard stories about this guy, he seems great. A lot of times it's oh, my friend went to this guy and now I can go to him too, you know. So what kind of what kind of tips or tricks or what kind of research or what can someone do? Like, let's say, like, we all have I think everybody has a friend who has had a meth addiction or something like that. Like, what kind of tips or tricks or ideas or counsel could we give to somebody who's maybe battling addiction and wanting to work on or find some help on the underground?
1: I mean, uh, thankfully now there's a lot more resources. There's um, a very good site called tripsitters.org. So it has a directory of facilitators and retreats all across the world, right? Mm. it's, it's It's also a great resource. There's other ones, like psychable and other places like that there's a lot more research online um also i would you know not everybody can quit something in one try so a lot of the times we get very upset with ourselves where we try quit smoking say for example and then two weeks later we smoke again and now we think that we're actually worse off but the fact that you were able to do it for a week or two weeks is a good sign the fact that you want it so so just knowing that you want to quit, that, that, that something inside of you is craving it, that, that yeah. should be a sign that you're headed in the right direction. Because if you don't have that, then you don't have anything, right? Yeah. But if you have that, then you can overcome that, that, that love for yourself, that, that, that desire to change can overcome anything, right? So I think that is, is, is the biggest thing that people, if they have that, then there's there's many paths to find, to get to where you need to get to, right? Yeah. And it, I think it's
0: important
1: and, to, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And another thing is, uh, what I realized is that, uh, so the medicine is the plant medicine is plant medicine it's it's healing it's helpful but it's also kind of neutral in a sense that you know why do why are bad people allowed to use plant medicine right why are good people allowed to use plant medicine and i kind of learned this where years ago i bought mushrooms online from a website and before i took the mushrooms in a ceremony i made an offering to the mushrooms to cleanse the energy and i cleanse the space and i just kind of setting and when i took them they were very upset because they showed me uh who was trafficking them and there was so much negative energy behind that but because i was able to make the offering and clear the energy that soon dissipated so a lot of the times people have to be careful is when they're buying medicine from someone you know whether it's a shop or a store or something if the person is is, is, is bad if their energy is bad that energy is transferred onto the medicine. So I would advise people to just be careful what you know, whether it's ayahuasca or peyote, just make sure anything that you're getting, make sure that the medicine is good or clear the medicine yourself. Set an intention, uh, put it in your altar for a couple of days. Right. So there's there's different methods of, of, of kind of doing this. But like a lot of this stuff is just energy transference as well.
0: Yeah, that's well said. I some t- some people that I talk to or I work with, I, I often mention to them a really good practice for people. And most people can do this is that if you can grow your own mushrooms, I think it really teaches you a lot about who you are and the energies that affect you. Because the biggest problem with growing mushrooms is contamination. And it happens all the time, right? Mm -hmm. People that grow mushrooms, oh, this batch got contaminated. And you can see the the mycelium turn green or you can see the fungus get in there. But I think what the mushroom showing you is like, look, just like we can get contaminated, so too can you get contaminated. And it's very, very easy. Just being around, being in the wrong room, being subjected to the wrong sort of substances. All of these things can make sure that the mushrooms never fruit into a mushrooming body and they get stuck in this one phase. And I think that shows us like, hey, I'm just stuck in this phase. I can't fruit to my full potential because I've been contaminated. That's the bad news. But the good news is I can just get rid of that contamination and then I can grow again and then I can fruit into a better version of myself. And so I love this idea that you're talking about, the negative energy that comes with the medicine. You know, we we don't realize that whether it's the medicine that we bought from some guy that trafficked it from Lord knows where and, and Lord knows what happened to it along the way, like so too happens on our journey or even our parents' journey. A lot of the addictions, a lot of the things that happen to us are manifesting in our life. Sometimes they are a product of what growing, happened in our parents' lives.
1: Yeah, and growing mushrooms, it does teach you a lot. I actually yeah. uh, had the opportunity to help someone grow mushrooms. And uh, it's a funny story. Uh, one time I did about a gram or a gram and a half of mushrooms before I got into the nursery. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was very peaceful it was at nighttime. My job to help them out uh, was just to pick the mushrooms, to cut them and put them in the dehydrator machine. So mm-hmm. I'd come there at night, but this time I'm under the influence of the mushrooms. And then I just, I, I, I'm like, I wonder how I can get the best experience or, or people can get the best experience with these mushrooms. So I asked the medicine, uh, how can I make sure that people that use this medicine get the best experience? And then what the mushrooms told me is when you come in this room, do not be on your phone. Man. Do not think about anything negative. In fact, think about someone that gives you unconditional love. And then they were like, think about your friend's dog. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, like I lo- I love this dog marley so basically what they told me to do was every single time i'm in the nursery doing any kind of work have my phone on on airplane mode and have his photo as a background on, on my phone so that when i'm looking at the phone i see this so it's just like pure love and then that love well while I'm, while I'm thinking about it while i'm cutting the mushrooms while i'm handling it it's transferred over to the next person that takes it
0: Yeah, that's a pretty good idea for life as well. If you can keep that thought or that pattern in your mind of unconditional love, I think that you will act out that same pattern in your relationships. You'll act out that same pattern in the way, the words you use when you're talking to people. And it's a pretty good meditation to try and keep that pattern in your mind. Cause you know, as above, so below what we have in here manifests out here. It's, that's a well that is a funny story but it's a beautiful story too
1: yeah i'm like you know what are the odds because i was like you know i love my family but sometimes you know like your parents or your loved ones or people in your life they kind of irritate you so i'm like who who can i think of or what can i think of that never irritates me right so i'm like oh Mm -hmm. a pet right
0: yeah you know in the beginning of the story, you were talking about your initial foray into the, the world was began with microdoses. What do you remember what that dose was that you took for 40 days straight? Was it less than a, obviously less than a gram, right? But do you remember about approximately what that dose yeah. was? Yeah.
1: It was, I would say it was seventy-five milligrams. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, it was, it was yeah. less than yeah. Sorry. Um, it was less than one tenth of a gram because at that time I was very hesitant, right. You know, I don't want to take, mm-hmm. I don't want to feel anything. So that was my whole thing is if I take something, I don't want to feel it. Right. I don't want to get high.
0: Yeah.
1: And I found taking that dose really, really, uh, was the perfect dose. Cause when I, when I first, the first three, four days, um, that was a little bit of a challenge because I had to see which dose was the best, but you know, afterwards i kind of was set on, on this one particular dose i did it first thing in the morning and i kind of made it a routine you know and also like making anything a routine is also good for your mental health it, it, it kind of like gets you in that in that mode right
0: right yeah it's it's interesting i've i've played around with um taking like 300 milligrams every day for like a month and it's interesting because i I didn't really feel as if there was a, a tolerance buildup. Like I could feel it every day, you know? And I, I, that runs counter to a lot of the protocols where they're like, take two, you know, you do do two days on and three days off, or, you know, however you take, how many days you take off. I've it's interesting because I thought that there would be an incredible tolerance. I thought maybe after three or four days, I wouldn't feel it at all, but that never happened. Was that the case for you?
1: You know, what I did was, is that I would, every, every time I would switch it up and use different strings. So Mm. maybe uh, use Golden Teachers for a month, then Penis Envy, then Tidal Wave, then Mm. Ecuadorian, kind of like, just kind of change it up. And then I also experimented with, and I found that it worked really well, um, was I started to to microdose an hour before bed and that was 100 milligrams and I found okay. it actually really knocked me out I, like mm. my dream started off slightly psychedelic but I woke up completely full of energy so much energy it was it was, it was crazy so now when I microdose it's it, it's the opposite I take it at night
0: right same way a lot of people take cannabis at night
1: yeah 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 I, except um i don't have if if i were to smoke cannabis i would have this is me personally i would have almost like a weed hangover where yeah. in the morning yeah. it's impossible for me to get up so like now yeah. even though i had my cannabis license for migraines back in the day i relinquished my license because i hardly ever get them i don't use cannabis hardly ever uh for me it was good when i needed it but I don't, for me, it's, it's also something that I also had an addiction to at a certain point Mm. where I was smoking it every single day. And for that reason, I kind of find that, uh, cannabis has kind of lost its spirit. You know, it's like, it used to be Mm. sacred medicine, but it's now, it's not being used in, in that setting. And, and Mm. I played my part in that too. So, you know, not to say that I never use it, but. I rarely ever use it because I don't want to take anything that can get me back on that path. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Different, different medicines come into our lives in different seasons of our lives. You know what I mean? Maybe that's something that you needed to prepare yeah. you for the next phase that you were on and it, it, different medicines work different for different people. And yeah, I've, I've found it similar to maybe it's, maybe it's, I don't really have any any preconceived notions of what it is and I I'll, sometimes I'll take some edibles when I'm on a, a certain high dose psychedelic trip but you know what what about layering you know have, have you used the different like sometimes people will take X amount of, they'll do like five and a half grams. And then at hour four, they'll smoke a joint or something like that. You know, but they, they, they put these layers on like that. Have you experienced that or tried any, what's your experience with that?
1: So, I mean, I've done that in the past. Right. When I used to party, um, you know, I would uh, maybe I would, but it's, you know, uh, I would have a couple of beers. I would uh, take an MDMA. And then I'll take some mushrooms right right uh, or <laughs> yeah you know this is like you know a, a long time ago or or, right. or or you go to a festival right. and you take sure. two tabs of acid and yeah. then you take um, some MDMA to combat the anxiety you know I've uh, I've had um, you know it's like I've I've talked to the spirit of the the, the, the drug that I was on I've, I've had experiences. Um, I wouldn't do them again per se. Um, yeah. because I was told not to take right. anything on mushrooms. The mushrooms told me that they don't like um any other drugs on them, right? Because it kind of takes away. But I can see how it's beneficial for certain people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> I've gone to, I've definitely been somewhere where I, you know, I'm I'm at a festival in a forest. I'm gonna go go, you know, take a piss somewhere, and then. 20 minutes later, I come back and I've been talking to ghosts and, (laughs) you know, as people that that used to live there and then they just vanish. Right. Right. You know, and I'm like certain substances, especially LSD for me, like they open everything up and there is like no protection. So I could see everything on them and it's just Mm. too chaotic. Right. So, you know, I, Mm. I, I, I don't regret taking them in the past, but I per se, you know, don't want to take any synthetic substances in the future. Um, it's, you know, and that's not to say they're not good for certain people or certain things, just for, you know, everyone has what's good for them and what's not. I just find out, for me, that the plant medicines have the built-in protection, you know, the spirit of the medicine that, that's built in, where the synthetic ones are more dangerous and... and- <laughs> everything's open and (laughs) you know i've heard a lot of good experiences for people that have taken 5meo dmt yeah but i've also heard of a lot of people that have ptsd from 5meo dmt so it's it's like one of those things i can see the healing potential of it but you know it's something that is so new that people are buying these vape pens off the internet and they don't know how to dose themselves and things are happening and it just completely shatters their ego they're fighting for their life um you know even something with lsd which is highly highly researched and generally safe but the issue is even if it's safe how do you know what you're getting is what you're getting because it's on the black market at least with cannabis or or mushrooms you can see you can hold it you kind of know what that is right
0: Yeah. It's got thousands of years of history behind it of people using it, you know, and it's, it's it's had the test of time. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious too. uh, I feel that my relationship with different plant medicines have really helped me articulate not only the issues that I have in myself, but they've made me a better communicator. They've helped me use language to solve problems in my relationships and not just a little bit, like a lot, like it is fundamentally shifted the way I can move through the world using my language. I'm wondering, is that similar for you?
1: Yeah, Dave, you know, the, the great part about uh, these substances is they give you solutions. Yeah. And the solutions may be simple, but, a, a, a lot of the times things that are simple are harder to implement. So, you know, one of them is That's like, true. how do I bring more love into my life? You know, they tell me to tell people that you love them, but they mm-hmm. say, tell, give it, to get love, you must give love. But you, when you give love, don't expect love. So a lot of the times people do things and they expect something. Right. And I'm like, Oh, that makes sense. So like I have to give love without expecting it, you know, because when you expect something and you don't get it back, now you're, now you're angry. Right. So I'm like, you know what, but you have to be genuine. So now I tell people that I love them. I tell people that I care about them. I don't expect it. You know, I, I mean, what I say, actions speak louder than words. And because of that, I've, I've, it's, it's been working, right. You know, what you put out is what you get back.
0: Yeah. It's, it's very well said. It's, you know, this brings up this other question that I've been thinking about quite a bit. Like I'm really thankful for all the medicine that we have. Like I'm so thankful that if we got into a car accident, we could go to the doctor and we could get fixed up. And there's so many amazing people that have sacrificed their life and make their livelihood, making everyone better. And I'm glad for a lot of the, the modern day drugs like penicillin and, and, you know, people that can go and get a shot that will help them if they have an infection. We're really, really fortunate to live in a world where we have achieved so much in the world of health. But one caveat that I think we're working on, and it's kind of odd to me, is that there's a lot. There, there seems to be like it, uh, sometimes I talk to some doctors that are prescribing things like. Medicinal mushrooms or cannabis, but they've never done them. You know, and it's just, it's interesting to me. I'm not saying it's a negative thing, but I'm saying like, it's really strange. It must be a really strange feeling for someone to prescribe a drug or a medication to someone. And they really have no idea what it'll do for them because they've never experienced it. You know, like if I, if I was going to talk to my friend who needed a little push and I was like, okay, I think that my particular friend, and I've done this for friends before that were going to some tough times. You mm-hmm. know what? I think if you started off with like a micro dose, you know, two days a week, and then once a month you did maybe three grams, I think this would change your life. And I think it's manageable. And I think you could do it. And here's how you would do it. And I've seen mm-hmm. them do it. And I've seen gigantic changes in their life. But I felt that, and, mm-hmm. I, and I don't do it often, but I felt that I was qualified to do that because my relationship with that substance has, you know, has been going on for almost 30 years. And I've also been through similar problems that this person's going through. So I felt qualified to, to recommend that to someone. But I can't imagine not having an experience, not having any sort of relationship with mushrooms and then telling someone to do it. And it seems like that's a big part of our modern medical system is that a lot of people are constantly prescribing drugs for people that have never even experienced them. Do you find that weird too? Or is that just me?
1: No, I, I, I guess I get what you're saying because it it does make sense that someone is prescribing something that they have never done themselves. So, and this is kind of where it's like, you know, if they haven't done it themselves, then they should refer someone that yeah. has done it because they can, you know, like as you know, one of the there's good things about having anxiety and it's bad things about having anxiety. The, you know, the bad thing is it, it, you have anxiety, but the good thing is I can tell people how to do the medicine that is also yeah. anxious preparing for it. So like, you know, I, I'm like every single time I do any kind of plant medicine, it is like, Oh my God, I have to surrender. And that, that's yeah. the hardest part. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, surrender. What dose can you give them where you have to give them enough where they can break through and not, you know, if they take too little, then they can be spending their entire time fighting What what's, what's coming up. So all these things, the doctor is not going to know if they have never taken it, right? Yeah. You know, so I, I think it's a good thing that they're even giving it. But I think that maybe it sh- they should um, send a referral to someone that can actually help guide them through the process. That has yeah. been through
0: it, right? So it's a yeah. two-part system, right? Right. Yeah, maybe that. You know, I was I was looking through some of the. It's, it's it's such a fascinating time to be alive because right now they're building the groundwork, they're building the framework for people to go to these centers, and you know, there, there's coaches there, and you know, maybe there should be somebody like if someone goes to a retreat center, maybe there should be someone at that retreat center who has gone through not only the ceremony. But gone through the very ailment that the person going there has. So if someone's going there that was a rape victim, maybe they should have a person that was raped there with them. You know what I mean? Like, or someone that has anxiety. Yeah, hey, I've been there, I've done it. Not only have I done the medicine, but I had the exact same thing that you've had. And I want to talk to you before you do it. I'm gonna talk to you after. And here's how I did it. You know, that I think that that sort, you know, it, it almost brings us back to the. To the way, to the ceremonial setting, right? When you spoke about being in a ceremony, like you have a facilitator, you have a group of people there. You have people that have seen these ailments before. Maybe that's the one thing we're missing in the today's modern medicine is the actual ceremonial setting.
1: Yeah, it's the ceremony. It's the intention behind it. Um, it's you know, in our society, uh, what I've noticed is people are also turning away. Uh, from certain things people need to be more connected to the creator they need to be more connected yeah. to god they need to be more connected to themselves and right and so when you do it in a ceremonial setting you're inviting you know that to happen right you're inviting the healing you're you're inviting all these processes you're creating a sacred space a safe container things things like that and you know it's hard enough to do the medicine on its own but it, it's better in a, in a way when you're doing it with other people. Like I often do uh, when I do medicine, I do, I, I do it alone. You know, I have, I have no music. I have no distractions. I have no lights. I just completely, you know, I, I, because the whole life is a distraction. People are always playing music. People are always having these things on. I am like, this is my time to, I don't want to have any music. I don't want to have anything. Um, but you had brought them layering. So once in a while, if I'm doing a ceremony and it's very intense, it's generally, it's just a come up for me. That is very intense. Yeah. That's the part that I don't, don't necessarily like. So what I can do for that. Um, I don't know if you've heard of, uh, this medicine called Sanenga. Mm. I'm not real familiar with it. No, it's, uh, yeah, it's these, um, it, it comes from the Amazon. It's these, it, it's these drops they put in your eyes (laughs) and uh it like it burns like hell it feels like there's like a forest fire in your eyes and then your eyes are much more clear and you can see better and apparently the, the drops are antibacterial antimicrobial and so i've used those drops in conjunction with my psilocybin ceremony so when i'm when i'm going through something that is really difficult and i can't focus then I just lay down and put the drops in my eyes and the pain is so intense from from the drops that I'm actually, the only thing I can do is I have to breathe because that's the Uh only way to get through the pain that I forget about everything else. So, and that's where I'm like, Oh, breath work, Mm. you know, breath work is very important. So if you can do breath work, you know, doing a ceremony, you can definitely get through anything. Um, there's also, this Amazonian snuff called hape. Um, are you familiar with that? I've never done
0: it, but I've heard about it. Maybe you can tell the people about it.
1: Yeah. Um, so the hape is, um, it's, uh, it, you can either blow it, um, in, in, uh, you can either put it in yourself or you have someone that would give it to you. And and it has it has tobacco in it amongst other ingredients. So every tribe has their own recipe and it is meant to ground you. So if you're feeling ungrounded during a ceremony, um, it, it can help ground you. Or it's also used in ayahuasca ceremonies to help induce vomit. So mm-hmm. it, it it can it, it has multiple applications.
0: That's yeah, interesting. You know, that, that's, that's something people, you hear about, a lot in in South America is like the sacred use of tobacco. It doesn't seem to be something that we talk about a lot up here, at least in the in the in the North North America. Hmm. So yeah, I don't know what have you do you use tobacco in 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 ceremonies when you do ayahuasca or when you do mushrooms?
1: I I, I use tobacco. I use ceremonial tobacco. So. Mm-hmm. I will I, get the tobacco from um, an indigenous reserve. And so it's untreated tobacco. Mm. And, and, but I'll use the tobacco as an offering to, mm. to any medicine that I use, right? Right. Uh, and so that's kind of how I use it. I use it as an offering. Um, I use it in a, in a, in a ceremonial setting. I, um, but besides that, that, that's kind of my extent for using tobacco. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, the Amazonian snuff, which um, a lot of people use. That uh, what I found out about that is it's it's also very addictive. It, it, the tobacco that is used in that Amazonian snuff is seven to nine times more potent than the tobacco found in in America, right? So, and uh, <laughs> a lot of the times when we use something, you know, as like I guess for me, it's like, does it have addictive potential? Like, you know, is MDMA healing? Yes, it is. Does it have addictive potential? Yes, it does. So, so I personally don't want to use it, but I know mm-hmm. it has the potential to heal PTSD and different traumas. Ketamine, is, you know, can it help and heal? Definitely it can. But is it addictive? I've, I know enough people that recreationally use ketamine as well. So it's, it's, you know, you have to... People, when they use certain substances, they have to know or they have to be aware of the of the positives and the negatives behind it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Doing your own research and doing your own due diligence, not only with the substance that you're going to use to try to help you, but also with the ailment you have. Like if you're depressed and you've come to the conclusion that you're depressed, what research have you done on depression to understand what it's doing to you? If it's anxiety, what research have you done on anxiety? Because the more research you do about the thing that's bothering you, the more you can find the medicine that's right for you. Or the more you can help the medicine inside you when you take that medicine. Like, hey, this is the thing that I'm working on. Like, and it comes back to intention. Here's this thing that I have that I want to get better that's broken inside of me. What are some things I can do to fix it while I'm with the medicine? And Sometimes it takes a little while to, to do that because it's, it's it's tough to understand the medicinal environment. You know, sometimes when people take, you know, be it mushrooms, you can easily get distracted. You know, you can easily be astonished by the colors or the sounds or this or that, and you can move away from the, the healing and stuff like that. So I think people who are interested in trying to become the best version of themselves can start by being really honest with themselves and trying to figure out what is it that they can do to become the best version of themselves. But as we're coming up, Navi, as we're coming up on the, on the hour and a half mark, man, this has been a really awesome conversation, man. I did some really great stories in there. And I, I love to get to hear tales from the underground of people who have not only helped other people, but were courageous enough to share their stories and truthful stories about, Hey, this happened to me. Here's what I did. Here's what I did for my friend. Like I, I love the underground stories. And I, th- I think that there are a lot of people on the fringes that need help that will always turn to the underground. Like that, that's where I mm-hmm. learned how to do it. That's where you learned how to do it. And yeah. it seems like a lot of people come from places of addiction or they come from broken places. Mm-hmm. But if you if you do come from those places, just know that there, there's help out there. There's good people. And if you're broken. That just means maybe you're broken for a reason. Maybe you're meant to become a healer later in life. Maybe you're broken so that you can fix this thing and then help other people fix it. But before I let you go, man, where can people find you and what do you got coming up and what are you excited about?
1: Well, they could find me on my website. It's uh, psychedelicessence.com. Right now, I am just uh, on vacation in Alberta, Just, just visiting family. Um anything that, that'll be coming up I'll definitely post on my website Um it, it's definitely a pleasure uh, being here talking to you sharing stories um, would love to do it again in the future um, yeah thank you
0: yeah pleasure's all mine this is I love connecting like this and it's so amazing to me that two guys from across the planet can sit down and talk story for a little bit and share share some of their wins and some of their losses and and some of their dreams and some of their hopes man so we'll hang on for one second i'm gonna talk to you briefly after this but i'm gonna hang up with the people so ladies and gentlemen check it out psychedelic essence we'll put all the links in the show notes and um check out navi and thank you for hanging out with us today really appreciate it aloha aloha everyone